Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast, season three, episode number seven. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, definitely wishing I bought Lego Star Wars. I've seen some video clips from it and a couple of my friends have been playing. It looks pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen that as well. Uh, always a fun time. I mean, Lego is just fantastic, so why not? So uh, we are here a little off schedule. Of course, thank you to everyone for patience with that. Sometimes, uh, as we said, life gets in the way, but uh, we are back a uh, little bit out of order here. And uh, we did mention that we'll be talking about Wretched Hives. Uh, we kind of do today, but uh, in a different way, we have Steve on to talk about the latest updates to the Star Wars 5e system uh, with the Player's Handbook and Wretched Hives. And then uh, at a future episode, we'll go back and do that deep dive into Wretched Hives itself. First, we have a few announcements on our end, though. Uh, of course, be sure to check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com, for access to all of our content, this podcast, of course, our YouTube channel, Twitch channels for live actual plays, uh, Twitter and Instagram for announcements and other fun content that we do, and of course, the Patreon. Uh, Patreon is the best way to support us and what we do and also receive some benefits for doing so. Uh, we do have a, a new group of uh, new Patreons that we'd love to shout out. So in tier one, we have Yenity. Thank you. Here too, we've got uh, Chuck, Amy, Austin, Clint, Chris, Darian, and the 100 Days Resolution. So shout out to you guys. Great uh, group there as well. And then a few tier three with Edwin, Jamile as an annual subscriber, so took advantage of that discount, and Cody. So thank you to all of you new uh, members there, new supporters. Appreciate it very much. Of course, at Tier 2, you get access to all of our exclusive content on the Patreon, monthly adventures, things like that. Tier 3, you get access to that a little bit earlier, as well as uh, the opportunity to join uh, our play-by-post game if you like. So if you're interested in either of that, check out our Patreon for that information. Also, speaking of Patreon and that exclusive content, our next uh, document will be out here, hoping for the 26th with this episode for early access to Tier 3, and that will be continuing in my series of kind of that campaign, uh, running uh, running a campaign, building a world adventure documents. Uh, this one, uh, working title, Time Marches On, uh, basically how to make a continuous and living world. So slowly building on what I've done so far, and the last one we talked about creating the locations, the cities, and things like that, and then the factions and groups that live within there. And I'm going to touch on how to kind of uh, make them live and continue on, even if the players don't interact. So uh, you always want to have things in the background going on. If the players don't interact, you know, something could happen. And so it's a great way to introduce potential plot lines and, and different things like that. So we'll give a few different fun mechanics on how to keep track of that. So keep an eye out for that. In other content, last Thursday, new episode of Vagrant Freighters premiered, uh, episode two. So if you haven't yet, be sure to check out that. It's been a great story. Uh, we are actually, we have one more episode to record and uh, that'll be out. So eight episodes of that story, super exciting there. 
keep an eye out for that on the podcast channel as well. Uh, and then, uh, Tegan, on your end, I believe uh, Invasion, your actual play, comes back. Yeah, Invasion's back. Uh, we had a family, well, my, my mom had a surgery on the last week, so I wasn't able to play. So we had a bit of a month in between, but we're finally coming back. Uh, and you're actually going to get to see the crew kick off on the latest adventures. So this is going to be uh, the Colony of Saiho. Uh, and it's actually corresponding directly with the uh, Invasion Session 2 uh, adventure that we put out for our Patreons, too. So uh, if you want to watch it, even follow along, kind of get some uh, tips and tricks for playing, running it with your players or just seeing it live, uh, come join us. It'll be that this Tuesday, the 26th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Tegan J Gaming on Twitch. Come hang out with the crew. This should be a fun one. I'm looking, really looking back to getting forward to back into the game. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, it, I love that you know you're doing this alongside of the Patreon adventure, uh, as you said for for those interested in that uh, to see how it's played out and you know either get some ideas or or just uh, yeah check it out. So be sure to uh, go visit that uh, later tonight if you're listening to this Tuesday when we air. I think that's everything on the front end uh, for us. Uh, there is a few new pieces of Star Wars 5e content, which we will touch on as well. So uh, a couple species and a background. Tegan, uh, tell us first about the Kulaseto. So the Kulaseto, this is going to be an, uh, an interesting species. This is going to be one of you, uh, depending on how much your DM wants to lean into, it could have some interesting story uh, context. Uh, the Kulasetos are like a, a bug-like species, kind of think like a, a humanoid-like mosquito, uh, almost. Uh, and they actually have some pretty interesting lore. Uh, they're actually almost shunned by most of the species in the galaxy. Uh, and this is due to one of their cool features, as well as a, kind of a big piece of their background. Uh, but they're a little bit of a cannibalist. Uh, they drink blood uh, from even from other humanoids. And they've got some cool features in their species block that goes along with it. So uh, this could be what if, if you're playing a more horror Star Wars angle game, or even if you're just prepared, uh, you and the DM to have some fun showing a uh, species that may not always be welcome everywhere uh, that you can play around with. Uh, but getting into the actual build block for it, uh, for the ability score increases with the species, uh, you get to increase your dexterity score by two uh, and charisma by one. Uh, so it could be good for anything that's using dexterity. So if you want to build an operative or a monk or something like that, there's a couple of ones that will synergize well with monk as we go through. Uh, so you've got that. Uh, the this is a smaller species too, so uh, you're going to be uh, between about three out uh, of four feet tall, so you will be the small size. Uh, your base speed is going to be 25 feet, uh, but you also get one of the cool features. Uh, as I mentioned before, they drink blood and sometimes eat humanoids, uh, so you get the cannibalized feature. Uh, and basically what that means is if you spend at least a minute devouring a corpse of a beast or humanoid, so it doesn't have to be a person, uh, it could be like a some type of beast, uh, you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. Uh, and you can only use this once for a short or long rest. Uh, so this is definitely one uh, that uh, for DMs, if you got a player running it, I'd throw some story complications in, hopefully try to encourage the party to react uh, to the guy eating either the, the raw beast or humanoid that they just killed, just to really get some uh, good story pieces out of it. Uh, but this is not all you get with this one. So you also get a climbing speed of 25 feet. Uh, you get compound eyes and got the weird buggy eyes. So whenever you make a uh, perception check related to sight, uh, you're considered to have expertise in the perception skills. So great on that side. Uh, you also get the powerful leap ability uh, as well as prehensile feet, which is going to allow you to manipulate objects with your feet as well as your hands. Uh, so 
kind of great on that side. Uh, also, uh, you get the strong legged. So uh, on that too, so you're able to make some long jumps too. Uh, this is a pretty stacked one. You also get surprise attack too. Uh, so you're going to the first round uh, of turn, turn, your first turn in combat, if you surprise somebody, you can do an extra 2d6 of damage to them. Uh, so that would snack with, stack with sneak attack too, in case if you want to build an assassin build with it, it just go ridiculous. Uh, two, you got, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, you've got two torpor, uh, which means you only need three hours of sleep during a long rest instead of six. Uh, so it gives you a little bit less, uh, you can kind of, if you want to craft more, do whatever your PC is doing. Uh, and then finally, you have the undersized trait due to being small, uh, which makes it so you can't use heavy shields or heavy martial weapons or two-handed martial weapons um, without getting uh, the feet to combat that. So pretty cool one. Uh, definitely stacked. A lot going on with it. And that was written by uh, Hugh Hume. Awesome. Uh, sounds like, a, a yeah, another a wild species there. Add to the list. So. Uh, there is also a background uh, called Independent Droid, uh, one that I think you know might see a lot of use here. Probably a lot of players, when they pick a droid, lean into this anyway, so this gives some structure to that. So you were once a machine designed for a very specific task with no mind of your own, but something happened to change your programming, and you essentially get free will. Uh, for proficiencies with this background, you get two from Athletics, Medicine, Persuasion, or Technology. Proficiency in one type of artisan's implements or specialist's kit, a language of your choice, and for equipment, a slicer's kit, disguise kit, or astrotech's tools, one of those, and then a trinket from before you awoke, and uh, some credits. Uh, in past life, this is a cool little table. Uh, you were a machine designed to complete a task, and that was exactly what you were going to do. And then what is that? Uh, some fun options, like you were built to be a soldier to fight, once your programming gave you free will, your memories were corrupted. You can't remember what you used to do. Created to be a medic. Uh, you were made for scholarly tasks. So just some simple options there to tell you what you did in that past life before you, you know, as they say, awoke. Uh, the main feature here, deviant knowledge. When you served under a master, you would often hear secrets that weren't meant for your ears. Back then, however, you weren't alive. You have insider knowledge on your previous owner or perhaps others who pass through your area. This knowledge may be used for leverage, revenge, or other means to the discretion of your GM. This knowledge, while it may prove useful in your adventure, may also make you a target for those whose secrets you possess. Very, very awesome uh, character backstory development piece here, I think, uh, in, in um, not just backstory, but current story, you know, use in there. So very fun feature. I think that'd be a good one to uh, make sure you call out and, and utilize. Uh, of course, there's a list of background feats that you can choose with this. Athletic, medic, charmer, techie, crafter, specialist, linguist, or customized droid. And then it does have, uh, as, as backgrounds do, traits, ideals, bonds, flaws, tables for those to help choose that. So you are building up a droid. Be sure to check out the independent droid background. Written by Anarchist and Deb. So great addition there. All right, Tegan, uh, there is one more species, the Salonian. Yeah, so they're a cool one. The one I would have guessed was already in there, but uh, they, uh, so this is a new addition, definitely one that's got some cool Star Wars lore behind them. Uh, they're from the Carillion system. Uh, they're the Salonians. Uh, so this is they're kind of a big pack-minded species. They don't... Uh, don't really even don't travel much outside of the Carillion system often, but when they do, uh, it can definitely be a fun inclusion to the story. Uh, these ones uh, are going to be 
A little bit more martial. So if you with their ability score increases, you get a dexterity plus two, strength plus one. Uh, with these as well, uh, they're medium size. Uh, they've got some good speed and climbing speeds. Uh, so you, both of those are a base of 35, so a little bit faster than normal, uh, especially good to synergize if you want to play an operative or a monk and get some extra speed or even just a berserker or fighter and want to get in close easier. Uh, you also get dark vision with this group uh, out to 60 feet. Uh, one of the cool things with this as well uh, is you get the nimble agility uh, ability. Uh, what this is going to allow you to do is basically when you move uh, on your turn in combat, uh, you can double your speed until the end of the turn. Uh, and once you use this, you can't move again. Uh, so you can't use it again until you move zero feet on one on one of your preceding turns. Uh, so really good in that spot because you already have 35 speed movement and you can double that up to 70 without having to dash or do anything like that. And if you want to get really crazy, go monk operative or something like that. Monk, especially since it gives uh, additional movement speed, you can crisscross the battlefield in no time. Uh, also, another thing that synergizes pretty well with monks is you get the tail and claw. Um, natural weapons, uh, which is going to allow you to make unarmed strikes using a 1d6 of kinetic damage. Uh, so giving you a little bit of a good bonus on that side. Uh, oh, and they also get a swim speed too. So you're pretty much able to traverse all the different environments. Uh, you can swim 35 feet. Uh, so this is a good one, especially if you never want to be locked down by not being able to have a different type of movement speed. This is a way to go buy yourself a jetpack and you've got pretty much all the major ones listed. Oh, and this is uh, written by Heresy. It's another one from the, the Species Pro. Yes, awesome. Great uh, great stuff all around. Great two uh, species editions, background edition there. As we will talk about uh, here in the interview with Steve, Star Wars 5e, so much there to customize and, and build your characters. So I think with that, we can jump into uh, that update. So let's bring Steve on and talk about uh, what's new. All right, everyone, we have Steve here with us to talk about the latest update to Star Wars 5e system, the PHB and Wretched Hives. Steve, how's it going? Oh, it goes. Another day. I'm moving here really shortly, ergo the empty wall behind me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. house, finally, man. <laughs> yeah, friggin' finally, after a year and change of shopping. It's a long process, but uh, yeah. very cool. It'd be nice to finally get that uh, done and out of the way. So. Yes, for real. Awesome. And amidst all of that chaos, though, of course, uh, still time for a pretty solid update to the system. I like to think so. Yeah, uh, pretty comprehensive for two books and uh, very much a preliminary update. Um, there are a lot of completed changes that occurred in both books, but there are three noteworthy ones that are not complete. Um, I wanted more eyes from people who are you know, consuming the content more than just that's on the Discord to basically see what they want. Um, the changes themselves are sticking as far as like the classic Gnostic maneuvers being more like spells, that's going to stay the same. But, uh, you know, there are some things that need to be developed still. Um, I want more maneuvers, uh, you know. Yep. Awesome. So, well, uh, I mean, I guess let's just dive right in. Uh, sure. You're probably starting with the player's handbook there. And, and again, uh, not drilling down too specifically, but uh, you know, give us those good highlights, those good chunks of, of what we're going to see or what we have seen uh, yep. in this update. Yep. All right. So uh, round down is no longer the baseline rule. The baseline rule is to just round correctly. That's something that's kind of always annoyed me with 5e because it's inconsistent with literally everything else in the world. Like if you have something that's 2.75, you should not round down to two. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so I abolished that rule to around appropriately, which is, of course, if it's 0.5 or greater, you round up. If it's less than 0.5, you round down. Basic math, 
now it's just consistent across the board. There are some ripple effects with that that will be addressed. There might be a few changes to specific instances of that effect with the late June update, but that's, that's, that, that change is staying. Um, from there, um, with classes, there are some very minor tweaks. Um, nice update to quality of life for Sentinel, Sentinel with Force and Power itself, where it's no longer all tied directly to the attack. Uh, instead, you use you can use the parry ability once per round. You can use the movement ability once on your turn, and then you can use the smite ability. You know the additional damage on a strike. You can use that once per round as well. Uh, and then there's the two big changes. Of course, uh, maneuvers have been divorced from being class or archetype specific. They are instead a single individual pool, and then the classes and archetypes that enable maneuvers pick from that shared pool. Now, a lot of those maneuvers have prerequisites. There are maneuver chains. For instance, the um, Commander Strike has two updated versions that make it more powerful, but it takes more of your total maneuvers known in order to improve that maneuver. Um, I think that's very nice. I think it's going to work out really well. Uh, ultimately, it's very good for the future of the game in my mind, and it's also very good for development of those archetypes, specifically Scholar, because Scholar archetypes are so dense, it makes it very difficult to develop a fully fleshed out ar archetype for that. Um, so Scholar and Fighter both had that change regarding maneuvers, and then Fighter had a new invocation system, which again is that second level customization implemented. They're called strategies that replaced the Fighting Mastery, and Fighting Mastery was just moved to an option. So the net effect is a buff for Fighter. It's a buff for Scholar. There's a little bit less identity in the archetypes, uh, but ultimately it's still more than co comparative classes as far as what the archetypes grant. So I think it's ultimately a wash. Um, really, that those are the big changes for um, the class-based stuff. Nice stuff. has some big things going in there, uh, especially yeah. the fighters and sentinels and scholars. Yep, for sure. I haven't had a chance to look through the fighter invocations yet. Uh, anything outside that stands out to you? Anything that's fun that some players may enjoy? Yeah, so there's uh, this, obviously there is the fighting mastery was an option. I think there was eight options total. One of them that I'm particularly fond of is a minute, is kind of like cunning action for ro uh, operatives. Cunning action gives them three normally actions they can do as a bonus action this one you choose two from a list and then you can perform those chosen actions as bonus actions and those synergize directly with the fighting styles because fighting styles often enable say dash as a bonus action or if you could already dash as a bonus action you can do it as a reaction in your turn so the synergy there is huge it's just like a mass improvement it lets fighters get that reaction ability if they want to if they want to have you know triple dash or whatever it's feasible through use of the style and the uh, invocation um, one of them that unlocks lightsaber forms for uh, fighters typically to learn lightsaber forms you would need to take the feat or style or mastery for form fighting and then you would have to be able to cast force powers in order to take any of those so this makes that no longer an issue you can just take them as a fighter without any sort of force sensitivity uh, a couple other ones there's one nice one that's cover um, so it makes cover more powerful for you and it makes cover less powerful for people you're firing at so i think that's pretty cool for like a sniper build synergizes really well with again with the styles and masteries for like snapshot or sharpshooter and I don't remember the other ones offhand, but there are eight total. Pretty fun ones, though. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds like lots of great updates across the board. Uh, is that that about wrap everything on the the main changes to classes? Uh, for classes, that pretty much yeah. covers it. There aren't that many actual class changes in this. It's really just the maneuvers and superiority thing. Cool. Awesome. All right. What else? Uh, so the biggest secondary. There are some new. Um, 
in equipment. So all the weapons have been rebalanced from the, the bottom up. You guys might remember I created a calculator for weapons about a year ago. That calculator has been further developed and improved upon to effectively automate the entire weapon generation process. So for, you, you choose whatever type of weapon you want, a martial blaster, a simple vibro weapon, whatever. You add the properties you want. It generates exactly what the stats of that weapon are at the end. Really empower, really, really cool tool. Um, and so that has been used to rebalance all the weapons. So they all use that exact zero sum calculator. There are a few exceptions, mostly with special property weapons like grenade launcher and rocket launcher. They don't actually interact with that calculator well, uh, but for the most part, that change has just kind of streamlined and smoothed out the weapons. So there shouldn't be any more like really egregious. Um, I know there are a few typos that have been reported already. These will be re repaired, uh, fixed for June, but otherwise. Um, I know it'll proving. be asked uh, that that calculator is not public facing, right? Uh, so the a... calculator is intended for GMs. Most yeah. tools are intended for GMs who want to create more weapons for their table. Now that doesn't mean players can't use it, but they okay. can't just create a weapon and have that weapon be available to them. They have to work with their GMs. But it is okay. But it is accessible for GMs. Then it's yeah, not. It's yeah. not more. Not a development side. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's in a book. It's not in a book format. It's a spreadsheet. It's a, it's right. a calculator, a glorified calculator in, uh, I think it's in Google Docs now instead of on an Excel file. But that's that's what it is. So it's it's not like it's pretty. It's just functional. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, I've got some new properties that came out. There are three new light weapon exclusive properties. Uh, blight, bright, and corrupting, I think is what they're called. I might have those wrong. Um, but they basically just enable a new additional feature to light weapons, that specific ones that have them. And then they also give the ability to attack against not AC. One attacks dexterity saving throws, one attacks um, constitution, one attacks wisdom. So this is very similar to in previous editions that had different types of ACs. It kind of emulates that when you take into account the um, saving throw checks variant. So this is a very fun way to interact and bypass those turtle targets that have huge, huge AC. Um, additionally, a new interlocking property, really cool one that basically just lets you switch between two weapon fighting and a double weapon at the same time or whenever you want to on your turn. So it really helps emulate that Calcastus uh, fighting style from Jedi Fallen Order uh, and has a style and mastery tailored to it that I think works really well to enable that play style. And then penetrating, I think, is the last one, which is just you can shoot through targets, which is really helpful for uh, like bigger weapons like a Gauss cannon or something like that. Those are some fun ones. I like the, the save options. Uh, it's always nice to kind of mix it up, especially if you're going to get some high AC or you're just having some bad dice luck. Uh, it's going to change it up a bit. And of note, they're not quite as good as like the Sentinel um, has one of their ideals, lets them do that with dexterity. The weapon properties do have a cap. Uh, they have a number that's associated with them that scales from 13 to 18 and that your attack bonus with that weapon couldn't exceed that. Uh, it's it's all it's all descriptive in the text of it, but basically it, it does have some bounding to it. It can't you can't go overboard with it. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, great stuff there. Uh, you know, I think I think the the equipment, the weapons in Star Wars Five E are are great. Uh, I don't know, call it upgrade or whatever from traditional Five E. So you know, just a lot of further additional uh, um, changes there. Yeah, there are a lot of hilarious bad weapons in 5e, but most notably is like what Glaive and Halberd, I think, which are like functionally identical, but one has heavy, but they're like the same damage, same properties, really kind of silly ultimately. Um, so I definitely think weapons are, are dramatically improved for Star Wars 5e over 5e, almost dauntingly improved. Definitely. There's so many more options too, without having to go to magic or enhanced items. There's so many right. ways you can build out either a classic Star Wars character, build something unique without having to dip into that enhanced tool set. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so for customization options, which is probably my favorite part of Star Wars 5e, the whole goal being that people can build basically any character they want using these customization options. Um, I did write 
eight new fighting style and fighting mastery pairings, which are des designed towards new styles, enabling new styles. Um, one for blind sight, which of course became a thing in 5e. There's a blind fighting style. I forget what exactly what's called. Um, there's one based around using the area-based weapons like a vapor projector or a flechette cannon, which just affect a cone or a line. Uh, blind fighting. Um, there's one for counterattacking um, that is basically built around goading people to attack you and then hitting them back or otherwise like parrying their attacks. Uh, very fun. There is one built around the help action because there wasn't one already. There's one built around the search action because there wasn't one already. There's one built around fixed weapons, which the whole idea being is that you can use them more seamlessly while also like wielding weapons in your hands. There's one for superiority style. And then ultimately there's one for those interlocking weapons, again, really to enable that swapping back and forth between two weapon fighting and double weapon fighting. Now of note, this was one of the things that is incomplete. Um, some of these pairings are finished and are very clearly finished. Some of them do have those deadlines. And this is, again, this is where I want community input. I want you guys to see what you think these features, these, these pairings should do that they don't do yet. G give me your ideas. Cause I am only so creative, <laughs> you know, and the discord is only so creative. So I really want to hear more about what you think these should do that they don't already do. Yeah. It's always great to get that stuff, you know, at the table, put it in action and, and, you know, see how it, how it plays. And as you said, yeah, it, is it missing? Is it have something that, you know, needs to get uh, tuned a little bit? So yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so we're going to skip to the end real fast. There are three, three new conditions. One of the other things I've wanted to do for a while, which came to fruition is that every damage type should have a flavorfully paired condition that it can apply. For instance, psychic damage with the frightened condition is just a natural pairing. Now, not all psychic things imply, uh, imply the frightened condition, apply the frightened condition, but there's just like a logical flavor there. So there are three new conditions, corroded, ignited, and weakened. Corroded is it basically a target that becomes corroded takes more damage from weapons uh, and it's just only stacks to up to a, a point to three. So each point is one additional damage from weapons, uh, very naturally paired with acid damage. Um, ignited, which of course, as it sounds, is related to fire. Ignited is the, basically the feature where a creature gets set on fire. On their turn, they can put out that fire by using their action or another creature can put out that uh, fire by using an action or if they jumped in the water or something like that that would work and if they don't at the end of the turn they take more fire damage and that damage it's like kind of like the versatile property where you see the ignited condition it will have damage paired with it in parentheses so that's how you know how much it will do if they don't uh, put it out and okay. then finally the weakened condition uh, which is basically as it sounds is just limiting a creature offensively and defensively while they're weakened as like lethargy over over overcomes them and that's naturally paired with necrotic damage Awesome. Yeah. Those are great additions there. I think, uh, the ignited one for me, like right away, I just, uh, you know, I think of combustive shot, you know, probably one of the most popular there. And, and it's kind of, you know, I think this spells it out, uh, cause it's, it's already built in, like you're on fire and it tells you that the enemy has to put that out, but this kind of, I think, I think defining that condition, you know, potentially will help. I think there's many times where you go past the turn, like, Oh shit, you're on fire kind of a thing. And right. Yeah. Might help, uh, and I think at the moment, that's actually the only thing combustive shot is the only one that actually imply, applies ignited right now. But the idea is that if you have consistent wording for this condition, instead of having to repeat that wording every time you have an effect, you just apply to that, you know, you, you uh, reference that condition with the appropriate damage and that's it. So that's why I really like conditions and keywords in general. Same deal with like slowed, which I developed last year. Slowed is four levels. And as you get more levels, you slow down more and more. Again, that's a natural, a natural pairing with cold damage, but there are a lot of effects that apply slowed and now they just have one single ruling they reference instead of having to repeat the text 30 times, very frustrating. Uh, so that, that, that's the goal here.
Yeah, I'm great. A great design. Follower. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, great design choice, definitely. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, so new chapter 13, moving backwards a little bit again. This is just a chapter full of maneuvers. So all the maneuvers are sorted here, uh, similar to how chapter 11 is force powers, chapter 12 is tech powers, chapter 13 is maneuvers. Uh, maneuvers have three categories, which we didn't really discuss. Um, so maneuvers function very similar to how force powers do. With force powers, there's light side, which uses wisdom, dark side, which uses charisma, and universal, which uses wisdom or charisma. You get to choose. With maneuvers, there are physical, which use your choice of strength, dex, or con. Uh, mental, which use intelligence, wisdom, or charisma, and then general, which use your choice from the three. Um, so it's very similar in that context, uh, but ultimately it's just a single list. They're sorted um, on the table. They're sorted by general, mental, physical, and then they're sorted alphabetically just like powers. Perfect. Makes it easy to kind of apply across the board. So you, uh, so con is one of the choices for the physical stats? Yep. Yep. Okay. I, just, I, I wanted to expand that. I've always really liked the dichotomy of, and then we'll touch on this a little bit more here soon, but um, of physical versus mental stats. And then also going back to the old days of reflex, fortitude, and will, um, which we touch on a lot. Uh, we will touch on a lot later, mostly with casting. Um, but yeah, I always liked having that dichotomy really spelled out and utilized in some capacity. Nice. Always good to get more things to use con. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the player's handbook. A bunch of smaller rule changes, um, clarification for like additional dice, um, multiple modifiers to checks and stuff like that. That's pretty much it for the player's handbook. Everything else is pretty small. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I believe uh, by the time this episode comes out, uh, everything should be, you know, on the website, updated. It's, uh, it's on the website now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So... Yeah, we are recording this on uh, the 20th of April. So this episode, uh, you'll be listening to this on the 26th of April. So yeah, definitely uh, all this stuff has been up, uh, you know, and, and, you know, as you said, Steve, uh, you know, kind of that proofreading stage is is upon us as well, the tweaking and things like that, of course, which happens, but uh, it's, it's good that the content is there to use. So dive yeah. into it. Yep. So uh, a part of that too, as, as I touched on and Todd touched on just now, is that uh, this book is not finished. Neither of these books are finished. Um, the goal is with the player's handbook in particular is I want to be done with it. I know I keep tinkering. I know I keep saying I want to be done with it, but I actually want to be done with this book. So this preliminary update precedes the end of June. There will be a literally a final update. I'll be done. I'm not going to tinker anymore. I'm literally just going to delete all the files so I can't even access it. Uh, oh, okay. Not, not really, but I, like, I really do actually want to be done with this and focus on other things. So um, the incomplete sections, particularly those new styles and masteries and the maneuvers will be fleshed out for that update. But again, I just want more community input. I want more ideas of what you think of what you want things to do. Um, so yep, that's, that's really it. Awesome. Okay. So we will, uh, we will wait in anticipation for that. And then over to, uh, so as, as we touched on, this episode was supposed to be about Wretched Hives, uh, but maybe this is good that we kind of shuffled things around because there is an update to that. So we'll come back with a deeper dive into that book, but let's talk about the updates to that. Sure. Um, so Wretched Hives has a number of updates too. Um, two notable things I've touched on these previously is that critical saves was previously a variant rule. It is now a core component of Wretched Hives. It is regularly referenced, which we'll get into with the casting properties in particular. Now, the key focus of this is that by default, there is no critical saves. The rules exist, but no spells or no powers have a critical uh, saving throw range. You can't critically succeed. You can't critically fail unless features explicitly say you can. So just like with critical hit range, which defines the range at which you can critically hit, the same rules apply for critical failures and critical successes. 
Um, so that's, that's pretty much how it will work. And with critical failures, when you critically fail, uh, saving throw, you take max damage. When you critically succeed, you take minimum damage. Very straightforward. Um, additionally, I, I, I wrote out four new tiers of proficiency. So in the player's handbook, proficiency is, of course, the one that everybody knows where you add your proficiency bonus. There's also uh, expertise, where you add twice your proficiency bonus. Now, proficiency can be achieved in weapons for proficiency bonus for uh, weapons, for abilities and tools, and then for or for skills and tools, I'm sorry, and for saving throws. Expertise can also be achieved in skills, tools, and saving throws. And now the four new ones are trained, which as expertise is double your proficiency bonus, trained is half. And you can obtain trained in weapons, skills, tools, and saving throws. And the notable feature that uses trained by other words is of course, uh, led by the forest presentinals, which is just Bard's Jack of all trades, reflavored and retooled. Um, then additionally, I wrote out three tools, uh, three tiers of mastery, which exceed expertise. And each of those, what they do is they are expertise. So you still have that double proficiency. Um, with mastery, you have always have advantage. With high mastery, you have advantage and you get to reroll one of the dice. And then with grand mastery, you have advantage and you can reroll two of the dice. So the, the goal being that that is the cap. You can't exceed that level of skill. And then uh, the mastery tiers are only obtainable through enhanced items. Okay, so the mastery through enhanced items. Yeah, the, the training, um, is that going to be level-based or like XP-based? Uh, so training is specifically from the enhanced items. So higher rarities will unlock that higher train, a higher uh, level of proficiency with the mastery tiers. Now mm -hmm. you can kind of get de facto mastery, right? If you have expertise in a skill and you have advantage on it, that's the same thing as mastery, but by nominal, it's not, it doesn't count. So the things that like there are clothing modifications that improve your proficiency tier with a skill uh, that would not count as mastery for those clothing options. So they would not, it wouldn't give you that extra tier boost. Um, but those, they could push you into mastery tiers. Awesome. Um, all right. So that's it for the intro, basically those new rules. Um, some changes to prop uh, armor properties in particular. Um, previously, agile and powered had flat modifiers to strength and dexterity as appropriate. Um, I want, I, I'm trying to abolish all of those floating numbers beyond enhanced items, particularly. Uh, so they have been changed. Now they kind of complement, powered complements the strength property of blasters. Agile complements the dexterity property of weapons where they give you an effective score as appropriate at uh, strength 11 or dexterity 11. You only get that benefit while, while wearing the armor, uh, but it helps meet those prerequisites for those weapons. So you could use a weapon you might not be able to otherwise. Nice. And then there are some more tweaks, very minor ones. Uh, magnetic is now a, an ability check instead of a saving throw to synergize with features. And uh, that's pretty much it. Piercing weapon property was updated to be a flip of dire. So you can take a penalty to an, a damage roll and, and then add it to the attack roll instead of vice versa. Uh, auto target was renamed smart due to cyberpunk, very natural. This was like a half, half done one too for a lot of, for a while now, a lot of stuff has said smart instead of auto target. Now it should all say the same thing, which is great. And that's really, uh, that's really all the significant changes for equipment in Wretched Hives. The other final big change in Wretched Hives beyond some clarifications is that um, modifications. So modifiable items. So for instance, a modifiable blaster typically or previously had four unique slots within it. Um, I forget what they were called. Cell, attachment, hill, whatever they were. Yeah. Uh, that's no longer the case. Instead, it's just they have four slots for blaster modifications. And now all modifications have been changed so that they 
deprecated those subslots and now they're all just blaster modification or vibro weapon or wrist pad or whatever it is. And you can put any four mods in the appropriate weapon. Uh, the rarity rule still governs and you can't put any, you can't put more than one of the same mod in a weapon. So if you have two uh, of the keen core, keen one core for a blaster, you couldn't put them both in the weapon. And that includes multiple uh, of different rarities. So if you had a keen one core and a keen two core, you could not put them both in the same okay. blaster to get keen three. It doesn't, it, it does and doesn't really change a lot. It just kind of gets rid of, of just, you know, probably unnecessary language and things, right? Like. Exactly. Yeah. And so what, what was uh, like previously there were two um, like there was for blasters, let's say. So blasters had a, a, a mod that was the attack bonus. They had a mod that was the damage bonus. And then they had two kind of floating mods, which kind of overlapped a little bit. And so for blasters, they had two different mods that gave the keen property one for each side and then uh, things like that. Um, so that has basically all been removed. So it's just a lot simpler to manage an individual item. Uh, and then it also a part of this too, actually with enhanced items in general is all of the combination mods have been deprecated. Previously, it was like overwhelming how there were 300 blaster mods and a lot of yeah. them were like keen one plus brutal one, keen one plus disarming, keen one plus fix. So it was like very unnecessary. So all of those have been deprecated. There's only the single property bots. And now there's a new rule called uh, generating new enhanced items in the enhanced items chapter that helps. Again, this is for GMs specifically, but players can, of course, ask their GM about it to create new enhanced items. So what, what this rule lets you do is to take two identical item types. So you could take two blaster mods. You could effectively combine them to create a new blaster mod. Now, this is something the GM does. It's not something a player physically does. They don't take a circle block and a square block and bang them together to get a new mod at the table during the game. This is something the GM can do to create new enhanced items. And it uses a very simple point system where standard rarity enhanced items are one all the way up to artifact or six. You add the, the two rarities together to get the new rarity. Very, very simple, super easy way to, to introduce new items and effectively create any combination of, of properties you want for a mod, for a weapon or for armor, for whatever it is. Right. Yeah, because of course, as you go on, your slots, you'll run out of slots. You're always limited by that. So if you want to gain that extra, yeah. Right. And it increases the value of higher rarity chassis too, because now a lot of mods, they tap, tap out at like advanced. But if you have an artifact chassis, you could take an advanced mod and a premium mod and your GM could let you combine them to create a new mod and you could put that in. So you get the effects of two mods for the slot of one. Nice. Yeah, I definitely like kind of paring down uh, the mods. Uh, mods are one of my favorite parts for Star Wars 5e, but especially kind of explaining it to new players and they see 300 plus different options. It's kind of like analysis by, yeah, analysis by paralysis. Uh, so they can just get overwhelmed. So I think kind of having that pared down a little bit easier and not having to worry about the slots as much would definitely make it a little bit easier for barrier for new players to jump into. Yeah, I think that's, that's the goal. And I think that the modification system I'm very pr proud of. I think it's probably one of the cool, most unique features of Star Wars 5e is the item modifications with with magic enhanced items definitely yeah and i think uh kind of going back to my initial point on it 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 doesn't change things but i think it does there's another point that it does where because you, your example you said you had like the attack mod and damage mod before you wouldn't be able to put those together because you only have one slot depending on what slots i guess they went into so uh, uh, this newer system does allow you to kind of put those things together if they were say if they're both barrel mods um, you know, you, you can only have one barrel mod previously, but now you can, you know, bring two in similar. So, so the, the old system was, they were specifically separated like that. So I think, uh, I think the, like for blasters, the, the attack bonus mod, I think it was called targeting was that okay. was the slot and then barrel was the damage. So they so you they could still were separate. All right. 
Right. But now you just have, instead of only having five options for each of those slots, now you have 60, you know, cause there are no more slots. It's all just the same type as the item chassis. Right. Yeah. Simplify. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Simplifies and also helps people from not going OP with it. Like with Keen, for instance, cause there used to be the, what, two slots that did King Keen. Yep. And people would always try to, I, I used to do that too, stack them up as much as yep. they can. So uh, it'll make people more balanced as well. And hopefully it'll be easier on the DMs. Awesome. Cool. Uh, okay. Anything else? Um, well, I guess the one other thing that's actually not in the change log because this was a re previous release was uh, casting properties was a big one. Um, so casting properties I released as a, I don't know, a month ago at this point, what that did is it enabled 20 new properties for casting focuses. So for wrist pads and focus gens, uh, those have been rolled in. There are uh, mods for each. The mods for uh, focus generators and wrist pads have been overhauled accordingly. So now there are a lot more options for wrist pads and focus generators, whereas previously there were like 15 mods for each. Now there's like 150 for each. Very cool. So out of all of them, between the, the PHB and Wretched Hives changes, is there anything that really kind of stands out to you as a favorite or something you're really proud of or want the community to take a look at? Um, so the things that need help, obviously, oh, actually there's one other thing too, that's, uh, the tools. So the tools chapter in Wretched Hives had been incomplete. Um, I have halfway completed it. So it is formatted properly. The goal of this chapter is that every tool has a little bit more of an explanation. It has some synergistic abilities. So if you have an ability score or an ability check, sorry, with a skill that's related to that tool, it gives you a uh, contingent advantage, which I think is very nice to play with. And then each tool will have, most of them do have a new niche feature, um, for instance, uh, like armor mech tools, uh, you can spend your short rest. So the way that these will all work is over your short rest, you can spend a short rest enhancing a suit of armor. And then once before your next rest, you can get a bonus to AC um, to potentially prevent an attack and it's contingent upon your skill, your level of proficiency with that. So um, I think this is very, a very cool feature, but they're, again, they're not done. There are 36 tools and I think half of them have features or have skills or have sample DCs. So this is another thing where I want community input. What do you think these tools should do? What's What would you like to see them do beyond just crafting? Um, so that's something that needs input. Again, maneuvers, which we touched on. I want more maneuvers. I want to streamline them and smooth them out a little bit. Um, and then the fighting styles and masteries. Again, there are eight new pairings. Not all of them are complete. Some of them have just a deadline that says feature. I want ideas. I want to know what you think that those fighting style and mastery pairings should do. Um, so those are the things, again, that I really want community input on. You can post on Discord, you can post it on the subreddit, you can post on Facebook, whatever your preferred social media platform is, and I will read it at some point. Um, but ultimately, the biggest change I would say that I'm very fond of is the change to modifiable items. I think this is a huge improvement, and it's just so much more accessible. Yeah, I think it will be a lot. Uh, as Tegan said, you know, very overwhelming at times. You just see that long list and, and you know, because a lot of it, a lot of it was a little redundant to, to a degree, you know, and so, yeah, definitely awesome there. Um, I think, uh, you know, touching on asking for the community involvement, uh, this project has been so massive for that uh, overall as well. Uh, Steve, I know, I know you know that very well that, you know, a lot of great things has come from the community. So, you know, yeah, asking sure. for more of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started this publicly. It's coming up on four years. It'll be four years in June, which is kind of why I want to tie off the player's handbook. I want to make the final player's handbook version for like the 12th time that I've said that, um, but for real this time, but that's, that's it. This was a community project. I actually pulled up the first version and shared it on discord the, uh, yesterday. In fact, it's just funny how bad it was and how much better it's gotten. Now, a lot of people might not agree necessarily that the game has become a little more convoluted. It has become way more 
it's it's still accessible for new players, but it's less accessible because there are more options. That is true. Um, that's a natural side effect of creating more options for experienced players is that there is that analysis paralysis, as Tegan was saying about having so many options to start. Um, that's one of the very common complaints now with maneuvers, but I think the net effect is it's positive. Uh, and I think that ultimately players, people will ultimately agree with that. I think it's just going to take some time to adapt. Yeah, to to your point about accessibility, um, it's it's five E, which which you know a lot of people know very well. And at that very base level, if you want to play Star Wars and you know five E, it's such an easy transition. You know, like you you can get over those other hurdles, if you will, of of uh, of options and things. You know, because you don't even need to dive into a lot of that. I mean, it you know. You can just get into the other stuff and, and just play at a very base level and and you're in it. So, yep, yep, that, that's still the goal, and I think it still works. It's just that the character customization in Star Wars Five E uh, significantly uh, eclipses that in regular Five E. Which again, it's still the same math, it's still the same functions, it's still the same proficiency bonus and attack and damage and advantage and all that. Uh, it's just that there are more options, right? I think it's, it's probably a little overwhelming at first, but I feel like a lot of players, especially people that have been playing 5e for after however long it's been out, get a little bit bored with the lack of options on that side. So even with my, I have a D&D game and I bring some of my Star Wars 5e stuff over to that just to give people more options, more things to do, just to mix it up versus making it build, build the same. So that's one of my favorite pieces with Star Wars 5e. Yeah, and even Wizards has stolen from me and taken a page out of my book with background <laughs> feats, which they've started implementing. I don't think it's been in any published books yet, but they started that UA... Um, with uh, some knight class that knight uh, order knights of salonia or something like that that's not it that's a song knights of ren uh, yeah maybe the knights of ren yeah that's exactly it uh, but they they start with a feat as part of their background now, it's not a choice but it is a feat so i am taking credit for that uh but yeah there, you go. there is more customization for sure which does add a level of power creep but i think it's more fun for players and i think that's honestly the most important thing definitely yeah Absolutely. So awesome. All right. So PHB, Wretched Hives. Uh, I know we touch on this, you know, every time we have you on as well. Real quick, uh, what's beyond this? What's uh, what's on the horizon for the rest of the system? So there's a pretty huge update for Starships coming mostly through the errata, um, which has been fielded by Rick predominantly uh, and Drake on Discord. Um, so that will come. So the June update will include uh, Wretched Hives in the Player's Handbook again. It will include Starships of the Galaxy, and it will probably include an update to Scum and Villainy Scum and Villainy is very tedious and there is a lot of work to be done there. As many people are aware, it hasn't been updated in like two years, uh, probably longer than that. Actually, I think it's probably 2019. Um, so that is going to be coming as well, probably in the June update, but it might be afterwards. And then once again, I think we've discussed this prior, uh, prior but uh, I have plans for two more books. Um, the fifth book will be about developing your own strongholds. Um, so basically building bases and there will be some synergy with starships there, um, but that will be a, the big thing. And then some mass combat, um, ideally some mass combat simplified, but mass combat again for Star Wars 5e. And then the last book is just character options. It's just gonna be bananas character options is what it will be, uh, but that that's still a ways off. Awesome. Very cool. Looking forward to all of that good stuff. So Steve, as always, great to have you on. Appreciate the update here. And uh, you know, we'll look forward to the next one uh, very soon. Good luck with the move. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's Wednesday right now. I am taking the next two days off and I'm driving six hours on Friday with seven cats in my car. It's not going to be fun. That's going to be a hard drive, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm hiring movers, thankfully. So as long as the movers are here at an appropriate time, we'll be good because they're going to pack the truck. I don't have to do anything else. I just have to pack my boxes and they'll right. be unpacking it all too. So it's going to be super easy. It's just a matter of them arriving at the right time on Friday morning. 
because my closing is at three in the afternoon and it's a six hour drive. So it's like very tight, everything happening correctly on Friday. Nice. Well, good luck. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the move. And uh, yeah, we will talk with you again soon. Absolutely. All right. Always great having Steve on the podcast to talk about updates to the system. Lots of good stuff there as we discussed. Be sure to check it out yourself. And just once again, reiterating, dive into it. You know, let everyone know, let him know, let the community know uh, what you think of that, what uh, any feedback, things like that. Just help us, uh, you know, help the team further improve what they got going on there. Uh, that will be it for us on this episode uh, with our little bit of a schedule shuffle. We're not too sure on the content for next episode, so we'll leave it up in the air, a little suspenseful there for you. Uh, but of course, as always, we thank you so very much for uh, all of your support. Again, be sure to check us out, uh, DungeonJediMasters.com, and uh, we will see you on the next one. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.